Hey, this is Hector. Uh, welcome to the Epic Lives of Epic Life Church. It's a podcast meant to highlight the many different people that make up the church body that is Epic Life Church. Uh, we're going to hear from a number of people, and, and really, in fact, I hope it's everybody. People that from all different sorts of backgrounds, um, places in the world, who make up this eclectic community. Today, you're going to hear from our friend, Sam Orr. Sam, um, along with uh, Peter and the rest of their family, have been here for a while now. It's just been a a great addition. They've been a great addition to our church family. I loved getting to talk with Sam about her side of what it means to enter into a place and really see it and then create space that you want that create the space that you want and desire in your own life. So um, you'll hear more about that from her. Uh, We are um, twos and on the Enneagram and uh, just a great way for us to to connect and talk through things and and see some similarities in the way we approach life, but also see some differences in how that plays out in our lives. So here is Sam Orr. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, so I'm Samantha Orr but pretty much everybody calls me Sam. And yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, a lot of people would probably say what you do after this. I don't have a job right now, which is very strange uh, for me. But so I'm a wife to Peter, um, Peter Orr, who you've already interviewed. I'm a mom to Rory and Reese Orr. Um, And I would also say that I'm an adoptive mom to two parrots, Sonny and Ned. And also two au pairs from overseas, Um, one from Brazil, her name is um, Priscilla, and another from Italy, her name is Tiziana. Wow. Yeah. And I also do some other things on the side. I do buy nothing. Uh, I do, I admin, I started our group and I admin the group in our um, Greenwood Northeast area. And I like to garden. I've been planting a vegetable garden the last couple of years. Um, And yeah, we have a pretty big yard, so out there pretty often doing weeding and stuff like that um I love to run hike and right now I'm a student after 17 years or yeah I got my bachelor's degree at SPU and then 17 years later now I am am getting it I'm I'm doing prereqs for nursing at North Seattle College oh nice so right down the street yeah so yeah Peter talked a little bit about living in the neighborhood and kind of mm-hmm. a little bit about how you got to Epic Life, um, you and him. Great. But I just, I would love to hear that story from your perspective a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I felt like Peter kind of gave the long version in his interview. <laughs> so yeah. maybe, I thought maybe I could try to tell a little bit of a shorter version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, basically like when we got married in 2007, which was 14 years ago, uh, we made uh, these marriage goals that were supposed to just be for the first 10 years, but then they kind of became like a guideline for our marriage's mission. And um, so one of those things um, was hospitality. And back then we really didn't know what that meant. We kind of felt like, I think in our minds, we were thinking hosting people at our house, like a Bible study or whatever parties or something like that. Um, and then basically what happened is the recession hit and we decided to buy a house during the recession of 2000. 
2008, 2009. So in 2010, we actually bought a house and we've called it basically the baby house because it really literally was like the smallest house that we looked at and that we could afford in, um, in our price range. So, um, it was one bedroom, one bath. And, and we were like, how could we possibly be hospitable in this house? But fast forward a few years, we just have always been like really creative with whatever we have. We always, we have this motto that's like, like instead of buying something new, try to find ways to reuse what you have. Mm. So, um, so like recycling, I'm really into recycling. <laughs> and I blame that on growing up in the Bay Area because I believe that the Bay Area invented recycling. So, oh. Yeah, I uh, I think I got a lot of that from that. And my parents, too, are really into, like, making things better and, like, reusing what we have. So kind of, I feel like I kind of brought that to our marriage. And plus, Peter's very creative. So anyways, we saw our space, and we were like, well, we can't really have people. We can't even, like, host people overnight because we don't even have space for an extra bed. Um, so we took our garage, and we transformed it into, like, a little Airbnb thing and we've hosted people from all over the world people that have come here that are from churches and you know non-airbnb people and then our au pairs so um probably like over 400 people have stayed in our backyard really <laughs> over yeah because i think on airbnb alone it's like 350 wow. and we just started that again which has been we have our first airbnb guests of the season um staying with us right now um, but yeah, we did that because we were kind of intending to use it as like a workspace. And then it was like, well, we could add a bathroom and that could be, you know, someone could stay here. So anyways, that kind of hit our first note of being hospitable. Right. Yeah. And then I've always just have had this feeling like our neighborhood could be better. And I've always felt that when you live in a neighborhood, you can you're the one responsible for making it better. It's like, you've got politicians and you got the government and, you know, we're paying taxes and those are supposed to be helping the neighborhood be better, right? By right. cleaning up the streets and stuff. But they can only go so far. People have to be good to each other in order for the neighborhood to be its best self. So we were always just trying to get to know our neighbors. So when we moved in, one of the things that we did was we just tried to get to know our neighbors around us and, um, that's been a really great experience. Most of our neighbors have been here for a couple decades. So, and then some are, have been transient have had, and have come and gone through the time that we've been here. So we've been here now 11 years and basically, I guess to get to the, how do we get to Epic Life from there? We just wanted to find a church that was in the neighborhood because we really felt like if we wanted to improve our neighborhood, we wanted to be part of a church that was in the neighborhood. And we wanted to be able to invite people to church that is close by, not some church that's like 20 minutes away or a church that's in Queen Anne. So we've been searching for a church that's just in our neighborhood. And we have been going to Bethany Green Lake for a little while, but we just always felt like it was just a little bit more removed from where we live, that it didn't feel like our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, great church, love what they're doing and how they're serving their area, but it just didn't feel like our neighborhood. So we've been kind of like on this quest. And then basically what happened is preschool became a priority for us because Rory was four turning five and we needed a place for him to go to preschool. And Peter just remembered that there was a preschool at Epic Life. 
Um, and the funny story about that is that we initially, we went and we loved it, but then we thought, well, we should probably, we should probably pick like some, like, I don't know, we were thinking some outdoorsy or some like sports-based preschool. So we, we signed him up for preschool and pre in Ballard at the gymnastics preschool. And then we just like had this moment about a month or two later where we were like, wait, we just signed him up for a preschool that's not in our neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, we had kind of stepped away from our mission and we realized it. And we just, I emailed Katie and I was like, could we get into preschool at Epic Life? And she was like, yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's just been amazing ever since then on when we first pre when we came to the school for like meet the teacher everybody was saying hi to us and just being so nice and welcoming and we just thought this is really strange no one like no one ever says hi in seattle <laughs> so uh we've just that's really stood out to us about epic life and then from there we decided to check out sundays what was funny is that you know for 10 years we never even checked out epic life yeah. And I don't even know why. It was just maybe we were thinking, we weren't thinking about our neighborhood during those years, but it's been like our quest always to find a church that was within walking distance. And it takes me like six minutes to walk to Epic Life from yeah. our house. So oh. I just am really, that's basically what led us to Epic Life and really the welcoming atmosphere. And of course, the preschool, which we love. We love Katie, and she's a, a wonderful teacher. She's great. Our yeah. kids have loved Epic Life, and they know everybody there. And so it just feels like the right place for our family right now, especially because Epic Life is involved with the community so much and with the food bank and really wanting to see Aurora change. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm glad you mentioned the food bank, um, which I want to get back to that. Uh, but you said yeah. something, and I'm still kind of just my mind can't really because you know you went. We had 400 people in our little shed, and then you went 350 <laughs> people through Airbnb. But that's still 50 people, kind of through relationship, through church, through all of that. Um, yeah. That I, honestly, that's incredible. Just to have that many people, you know, like 50, 50 alone is like wow you know like that's a lot yeah. of people um yeah and what, some of them were couples but okay okay but still i mean if you, 30 people like 30 different individuals right like living in your, in this little shed in yeah. your backyard and so yeah um, obviously Friends, family people coming in and out of, yeah that's a lot of people so uh i'm gonna keep saying that but what maybe are kind of uh, as you're seeing this turn of people and even with the airbnb like in your mission of being hospitable in your mission of trying to engage in your neighborhood like how does that intersect well before we get too far away from that uh the shed and the 400 people <laughs> yeah yeah um how do they how do they intersect being hospitable and yeah, do they? I mean, have you learned anything kind of in in line with that mission of or whether that's, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a way you could have done it better or a way that you saw it uh, just really uh, impact your mission and, and kind of solidify that as you. you yeah. Come. Yeah, I would say it's it's given us the opportunity just to remain creative. Um, 
with every, like with the first guest that came to stay with us, we had a lot of, we had a lot of like realizations like that, that we weren't really prepared for. Right. Yeah. I think whenever we were so young, <laughs> I still, I'm like, I still can't believe that we did this, but I think, you know, we had just moved into our, our house only within the last two years and we renovated our garage and made it into a place where people could come. And just, there were a lot of things about the studio that just weren't ready, yeah. you know? And something that I've been thinking of a lot of because we kind of talked about it when we were reading through Matthew in our D groups is just like, who can become a disciple if they don't count the cost, right? Yeah. And there have been several, like everybody has this in their life where you come to a project or you come to a crossroads and you do something without actually counting the cost. And I feel like a lot of house projects can be that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's people that will start a project on the weekend and realize, oh my gosh, I just got myself in way over my head. Yeah. And there's no way this is going to be done over the weekend. You know, um, I think someone mentioned that at church a couple of weeks ago, like with the molds issue. Oh, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can take care of this myself and I really feel like the studio was that for us we did all the work we like put the roof on we reconfigured the space so that it could have a bathroom and we put plumbing in electrical oh my gosh we did so much but then someone stayed with us for the first time and we allowed them to stay for a month this was our first guest and they stayed a month and we were it like became apparent within the first two weeks that a month was going to be way too much time yeah. for someone to stay there just because like that's like now you have like a, te a tenant there who's going to be changing the sheets who's going to be cleaning it there were so many things we didn't think about right so after that I changed it to seven days max yeah. <laughs> I was like if anybody's gonna stay here it's gonna be seven days yeah <laughs> because I wanted the ability to like clean the space and change the sheets and, and stuff like that so we just learned so much and then you know the communication piece like I actually, um, during that time I was working at, um, company downtown and I was on a, a product team, a software service product team. And I was managing the customer experience team. But even then I was still learning so much about communication and like, you know, what you say to a client, then that sets their expectations yeah. for what they are going to receive in the end. So I, I learned a lot through this experience. Like I was learning a lot of work. And then all of a sudden in this experience, I was learning even more because now it's my product is the studio. And everything that I say about it needs to be reflected in the space or that is going to be a bad experience for that person. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for, um, you know, I really became almost obsessed with the details of the space. And of course, and my job too. Um, at that time and it's made me very attuned to the details in many areas of life yeah. you know um so I, I kind of have this like obsessive compulsive mind so if like someone gives some feedback it like becomes my preoccupation yeah. until it is resolved or until I no longer have feedback about that yeah so no feedback <laughs> so, from me during the episode is what you're saying no, no, it's okay. You can give me feedback. I'm actually very used to getting feedback. So I, I like it. It really helps me grow and I, I thrive on it. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, so right now that's been kind of hard because I'm not working for an employer, um, except myself really with the studio. So I don't really, it will be nice. It's like, I already feel that energy coming back because I know that, you know, someone might give me feedback and that will go, that will be good. It will help me grow. So I think like one thing that just helped us learn how to take feedback and how to be, um, just, just open to whoever was coming, you know? people with different backgrounds, people with different beliefs, people with, you know, different approaches to life than us. There's just so many people that came to stay with us. Um, and, you know, you, it just allowed us to be welcoming to anybody. So, um, yeah, it's just been a really great experience overall. I think it's just made us more flexible and, yeah. I think in all those things, I just think of creativity, like in creativity, you have to be flexible. You have to be open to not knowing the end result, but willing to problem solve. And I think that, yeah, if you're going to be hospitable, you have to be like, in order for it to be like a, a place that is welcoming to all, you have to be all those things. You have yeah. to be very open and flexible and creative. Yeah. Yeah, when you said that about creativity and like being like flexible, it reminded me. Um, John Mark McMillan said, I don't, "I've actually heard him say it a couple different times, um, but just the idea that like when he puts a song on record, right? He's like that song isn't done. Like that song just here is this version of this song, but it mm-hmm. continues over time to become something else entirely, and so mm-hmm. like." as he's performing it live or re-records it he does a lot of different projects but just the idea that like this thing it was captured in one moment but it doesn't mean that it's that way forever um Mm -hmm. and just that flexibility that you you talked about kind of reminded like just sparked that thought of even like again you guys made this shed this airbnb thing and then Oh no, it it can be this forever. It has to get better. It has to adapt, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think we've always really and that just kind of goes along the lines of just the way when we look at something we're like, how can we make this better? How can we make it work for us? Yeah. Um and that was really how our house was to us too. Like we moved in this space, we had to basically downsize from a two bedroom apartment to a one bedroom house. <laughs> and uh we were like okay, how can we make use of the space yeah. that we have, you know, that's so different from what we, and, and it's so far from what we thought we were going to have for the house, you know, I think, you know, when you think of a house, you think of more space. And, and of course, I know now there's like tiny houses, people are living in like 100 square feet of space. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, it was really weird, strange, but we basically had to look at our space and go, how can, what's the best use, what, you know, how can I make the best use of this? And I think that's a beautiful thing in life when you can like, even just looking at, I think a lot of the time I think of people when I think of that, like everybody has a story and everybody can do more than, than their like lowest circumstances. Right. You know? And a lot of times it just takes people believing in them. Yep. And counting on, like basically rooting for them. Yep. To do well. So I always think 
especially like in our neighborhood, I think like if I can just make someone feel like they can be better or, um, you know, achieve, feel better, that's, that's a huge win for me. Yeah. I think that that's really important for me. I, I constantly think of, you know, being a parent is really stressful. And I think of the parents in our neighborhood, especially right now with COVID and how a lot of the kids have been home doing homeschooling essentially. And I've been thinking about those parents who are working full time. Um, so we've got a family down the street and I'm constantly like texting the mom saying, can you come over and play with my kids? And she's just mm-hmm. always so excited yeah. when I send out that invitation because her little boy loves playing with my kids and our kids love playing with him too. And I just know it's a huge relief for her to know that he is happy and yeah. having some time to play. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah. And I think, you know, that doesn't just, I think we can hope that that will happen in our neighborhood, but if we don't take the first step to do that, like for us opening up our Airbnb has allowed us to have guests. Yeah. So taking that first step to open up your house or open up your life, being vulnerable with people actually does invite others to join in, in that story. So, and that can be a really beautiful thing. Then you get to know people and that can really change who you are, who they are, because then you can share life with each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and you said it earlier about like, in order for change to happen, like the, it, it has to be at the people level, like the most basic level. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's I what I believe. What, 100%. What, um, so Peter mentioned it, you mentioned it, you know, you're involved with the food bank, which I think, you know, for, for those who don't know, he, uh, you know, Tim, actually, Tim Hostetler mentioned a little bit, Claire mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's kind of a theme here where like we interviewed, you know, the pair of the couples, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but just kind of in your own words, like, could you share a little bit about your experience? I don't even know how long you've been volunteering with the food bank, but yeah. Uh, could you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I just started volunteering, um, like a couple months ago and or I guess it was like in March at some point. So yeah, maybe it's been March, April, April, May, June. Yeah. Maybe it's been a few months now. Yeah. Um, but it's been kind of on the back of my mind for a while. I've been wanting to volunteer when, when we were attending Green Lake, Bethany, Bethany Green Lake. Um, I really wanted to help with the women's shelter and, um, but working full time, I just really, I, I just really didn't feel like I had the bandwidth to do it. Um, cause that would require if, if anything, I was thinking about like staying overnight. Um, and <laughs> I just knew that I wouldn't have the energy for my job if I did that yeah. in addition. So I was always kind of bummed that I didn't really feel like I could volunteer in any capacity there. So when I quit my job, um, last year, um, in October, I just took some time to just take, take some time off to reflect and kind of heal from that experience. Cause some of it was a little traumatic for me, uh, especially leaving a job I had been at for a long time. And then I just realized I, I need things to, to be happening in my life. I, I need to be with people. I need to be talking 
talking with other people, not just my little people at home yeah. and my Peter at home. <laughs> I need to be like outside giving of myself in some way to feel um, just to feel energized. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I was like, well, Epic Life already has this giving room and now I have time. <laughs> and what was funny is, you know, I actually, I waited a while to get started and then I started classes in January. So then I get, I had that feeling of, okay, I've got some stuff to figure out and balance my time with. So I wasn't quite sure if it was a good time for me to start then. And plus Rory was still doing homeschooling basically at home. Um, but then I started having intense insomnia to the point where I didn't sleep for three weeks Whoa. and it was extremely awful <laughs> like I can't I've I've experienced many traumatic things in my life but not sleeping for three weeks was definitely one of the top ones <laughs> that I never want to go back to again yeah. and part of it was just like being anxious and stuff about things that I was learning and things in my past but anyways the giving room came up again they were asking for volunteers and I just said you know what I just can't keep giving excuses for these things there will always be and I've always felt this way there will always be a reason why you can't do something so either you can say yes until you need to say no or you just say no and never say yes mm. so I I just said I'm just gonna say yes to this because if anything I said I can just do the first hour of the morning <laughs> you know because I'm already up that early with the kids and do like I I can do an hour before school starts. That's totally manageable. So I just, I just stepped into that first hour, 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning. And it's been so great. I really enjoy getting up on Mondays. Um, and for the first few weeks, I, didn't, I wasn't sleeping very well. So that was hard. But my sleep sorted itself out. I learned some great lessons during that time. And I'm just really happy to be volunteering in that capacity. And I've definitely been... You know, there have been moments where I've thought that maybe I should step into the giving room director role. You can cut this out if you want to, but I, I believe it. So everyone I, ask you about it. <laughs> but I, I also feel like because I'm in school, I, I need to, I need to be focused there because a lot of times when I do get involved with a job, I just get so committed to that, that I do, it, it makes it hard to prioritize other things. Yeah. So Right now, I really want to prioritize the job of being a student and learning to get to get to my next goal. Yeah. But yeah, it's been really fun. I just and I'm excited about extending my volunteer time there as soon as Seattle Public Schools gets to be more full time. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. In that's person. so good. Yeah, in person, right? Uh, in person. <laughs> uh, what so I I just I'm I think you've started to answer a little bit of it just in explaining what you've been involved in, um, but maybe if you haven't and that's totally cool if you have you just tell me you have and we'll move on. Um, but like, what are what are some other things in this season that God is is teaching you? Uh, maybe if you want to expand on yeah. something you've already shared, but um, just the things that like. I don't know. I feel like for me, there's just so many things in this last year and a half that I just, I want to hold on to, you know, that the Lord mm -hmm. has, has revealed, not just like 
I learned that like being alone is really hard. Like, yes, that, that is a, a true lesson, but like there's other things mm-hmm. that the Lord has really um, just solidified in, in my own life. Uh, is there anything yeah. like that for you? Well, there's, I feel like there's so much God is teaching me all the time. And um, over the last few years, I've really just taken, um, in, I've made it a habit of just writing those lessons down and I call them lessons <laughs> because I feel like, you know, I think every time everybody has this experience where you're like, oh, I just learned something that I've never, either that it never occurred to me before or what. And a lot of times we don't write it down. And so we forget about it. Right. So I started writing things down because it became, it was really important to me at the time that I remember things. Um, And the time that I'm talking about is when my hair fell out. Um, And I had been a really big journaler for years. Like when I was in college, I I journaled every day and I actually reread those journals um, during my time off (laughs) over the last, um, over the fall of last year. And I realized like writing everything down is not super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every detail about the day, like for four years is not super helpful. <laughs> but writing down the things, the moments that inspire you or that teach you a lesson are really important. Yeah. Um, and so I've been kind of in this habit of doing this. And so I actually like I said, I read through all those journals and what I did was there was a lot in those journals that I just was really sad about. And I decided to take the parts that were lessons and I wrote them into a new journal and I burned the other ones, yes. got rid of them because yes. I just realized there were things that I was hanging on to that just didn't serve me yeah. anymore. And I feel like that is just a lesson that I've learned over and over and over again in my life. Um, and one of the things that is popping up for me a lot in the last few years is this quote that Peter shared with me, um, which is actually attributed to Theodore Roosevelt. And it's um, comparison is the thief of joy. I think a lot of people have probably heard that. But yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. And he actually shared it with me when my hair was falling out, it was actually a few days before I decided to just shave off all my hair. But um, I was nine months pregnant at the time. And my, my hair was falling out because I have an autoimmune disorder called alopecia, um, which usually just manifests itself in little bald spots that are not noticeable. But sometimes you can lose all your hair. And I was one of the lucky people. (laughs) that got to lose all their hair. Um, And it usually happens when your body is like under some sort of stress. And my doctors think it's because I was pregnant and um, my body was putting all of its resources into making Reese. And so it said, you don't need hair anymore. Um, So anyways, it was a really traumatic experience for me because like my image had become like an idol for me. Mm. And losing my hair was just like felt like I was being stripped of my identity. Um, and I, I just had these really dark moments during that time where I just felt like my life would end if I lost all my hair. And it was just really hard. So we were like on the bus riding to work and I just was 
crying and Peter like saw me crying on the bus and he knew why I was crying. And then he just shared this quote with me. And I just like took a deep breath. And within the next couple of days, I decided to just let go of all my hair. And anyways, it was so hard to get to that point of letting go of my hair. But once I let it go, I realized how much my image had become a bondage for me, Mm. like chains, like how I looked to the world, whether it was the house that I had, the clothes that I wore, the way that I looked and getting rid of my hair, like literally broke those chains. (laughs) And it, it just made me realize, like, I feel like God was telling me once the hair was gone, he was like saying, I love you as a whole person. You are valued and loved just as you are. But when I was comparing myself to others, I had lost that value. Um, So anyways, now I just feel really grateful for that experience. And just the fact that every day, like I look at myself and I see a bald head and it's just kind of a daily meditation where I get to see this very vulnerable side exposed side of myself and each day I get to let God decide who I am Mm. but I I feel like I have to keep coming back to this all the time so like my and what I've noticed is just it's just it was that with the image but it's it can be that in other ways too right so with my job I struggled so much to leave my job. I had been there for 11 years and it was so much a part of who I am. I felt so proud of the work I had done there and the team that I had and what we were doing, but it was like soul killing. I was like working intense hours all the time, nights and weekends. And I just felt like I was not going to be valuable if I didn't produce a paycheck, honestly even though like, I like the job, I like parts of it, but I, I just, it was soul killing. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of energy it was taking to work there. Um, but when I let go of that, I just felt like God gave me the freedom to do the things, other things that he was calling me to. And I think I was just comparing myself again. And I just felt like, well, I should be doing this because of X, Y, and Z, like these standards that I had made up for myself. So I think that, and even now I like struggle with this decision that I'm making to try something new, like going into nursing, because I think I'm going to be 40 in five years. (laughs) I'm crazy for doing something new. I should be like in the middle of my career or something right now, but crazy by whose standards? Again, like I'm comparing myself to something that is not eternal, right? So I feel like it's just reminding me over and over again that like comparison is a thief of joy, right? So I can get angry about something, but I think what's happening is my mind is getting over-focused on that one thing and I'm just getting overwhelmed by it and it's overtaking all my joy or I can get super depressed about something 
And I think in all those moments, it's because I'm not focusing on being in companionship with God. Yeah. So every time I feel myself going there, I, it's like a reminder. God's reminding me, you are letting this steal your joy. So like, for example, recently, like everybody's moving. And I feel like, you know, everybody's trying to get out of Seattle or they're trying to leave the Bay Area and go somewhere where it's cheaper. And I think, I start to think like, is this wrong that we live here in Seattle? Is it going to be unsustainable for us for the long term? And, and then God just reminds me, like, I've planted you here, you know, for a reason to, you know, be here in this neighborhood. Yeah. and serve and and it's just it just calms me like god reminds me that you know the world i'm the world's values are about empire right like taking over things and whenever you're living on excess it's it's going to your resources are going to run out yeah right if you're overspending you're going to run out of money if you're overworking, you're going to run out of energy or mental capacity. All these things. If you're living in excess, it's going to produce a lack at yeah. some point. And that's empire. That's the world's way. But God's kingdom is about restoration and about peace, shalom. So I feel like when I become in tune with what God wants me, when he's reminding me, when he's giving me those little reminders, and I write them down, and then I can look back on them, I see, oh again, like, I feel like all the time for me, it comes down to like comparison. I'm comparing myself to the world instead of comparing myself, like asking God, like, who do you want me to be? Oh, there's actually a verse that I feel goes along really well. It's that, um, it's something that I've been thinking on a lot lately and maybe kind of goes in with this like season of learning. Um, okay. Zoom saying your internet connection is unstable. All right. But the verse is um, Matthew, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. And it goes like this. Um, the eye is the length of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Um, and sometimes I'm like, what is this saying? <laughs> but I what I recently learned about this is it's saying how you see the world with your eyes is important in what it does to your heart. Mm. So basically, if you have a healthy eye, you're going to see the positive. You're going to see the potential. You're going to see the good and the abundant life. And I think out of that, you're going to be generous because you know you have enough. But if you have an unhealthy eye, you're going to see scarcity. You're going to be greedy and you're going to distress and you're going to see the bad. And so I think that, you know, God, he created us good and he wants, he said it's good when he said, when he made his creation, he called it good and he took a rest on the seventh day. So I think that these things are, are really important for us um, in learning contentment. Um, and also in how we see the world, because if we have good eyes, healthy eyes, 
we're going to see that we have enough, that we're loved, and that other people are worth it as well. Yeah. And I just know that when I'm in a state of worry, I'm not thinking that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm comparing my life to others, like, and not just living it in union with God, I am not seeing with that good eye. Yeah. And it can lead me down some pretty dark roads, like especially just with anger or depression. And and like God is just always saying, like, Sam, snap out of it. I want you to have a good eye. See yeah. the potential in other people. You know, like you might see this person who needs to live on the street as like someone who is not whole, but they are whole. You know? And I want them to be whole. So I think that that's really important, like how we see the world, seeing the potential in others and in ourselves too. Yeah. I think that sometimes that that's, we have to see that. Yeah. First. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in so, order to then be able to see that in others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a, a friend um, and, you know, it really is, I think, like, it was a pain point in my life this last year that really kind of the, like what you're saying of like, you have to decide to step into it. And like, it, it can either ruin like your whole outlook, mm -hmm. or you step in and you have to like, not let it, like, it has to serve you, you can't serve it, right? Because there's mm -hmm. just no health, if you're serving anything other than God, right? And so like isolation of the last year, being alone. I live in a basement. Oh, right. Really? And I, yeah. And so I tell people like, I live in a basement and I, I lived yeah. alone for a lot of this last year. Yeah. Well, wow. because for me, I at times would take my eyes off the ward. Right. And like, just so much put it in my head. Like I haven't seen anybody. Uh, mm -hmm. I live in this basement. It's a dark winter, like all these yes. things that just, and both myself the enemy right like my own mind of just it takes it from I feel alone to I am alone right yes. like I feel mm -hmm. lonely to I am alone but what the Lord has allowed me to see is like no you do have community around you for me not to feel alone it took recognizing that there was people around me and that what I needed yeah. to do was like hey I need you you know, I really need you. And not because you're not in my life, but because I need the, the tangible moments to hold mm -hmm. on to where when it gets really hard, I can go, no, on Monday, I saw this person. On Tuesday, I texted this person. On Wednesday, I had a meal with these people, right? Um, on Thursday, I did my house church. Uh, on on Sunday, I gathered with God's people at Epic Life, right? Like this stepping into that so I love some of the things that you're sharing about like you can either let it you know I don't know because part of that was looking at like the pre for me I've been here seven years and so I was mm -hmm. looking at like the first six I got to just hang out with people all the time and then here's this yeah. year that like I, I don't get to do that <laughs> and I'm a people person like I love doing this project because I get to sit with people that's cool. Forget the questions, like the questions, whatever. I send out, hey, here are the four questions, whatever. 
like we may get to it, we may not, but I get to sit with the people. And I love sharing yeah. that experience because ultimately, as you're saying, like Epic Life is about people. Yeah. You know? it like, is. The people of North Seattle, even inside the vision, right? Seeing North Seattle transform, mm-hmm. like it's not just the ground. It is the ground. We're seeing business and we're seeing, you know, uh the literal like streets, right, changed. Right. The people that in- inhabit that space. Um that we just that we just get to interact with. Um, one another in the church body and then one another outside as well as we you know disperse into the city yeah I think it's really easy to isolate even without a pandemic you know you can be so busy that you don't volunteer um or help a neighbor out um one of the things that I really like about buy nothing is that you know you can ask for anything and there are some people that just they do they ask for things like help with their gardening or something or help with a a thing at home like maybe they've got a plumbing issue or whatever um and you can call a plumber but that might cost you a thousand dollars i know because anytime we have to do housework it costs a thousand (laughs) dollars i swear every time so you know People helping people is one of the best ways to like, well, of course, interact, but then also share the gospel with others. Um, I don't think it's really possible to just like, I mean, you probably can. I know Keith probably does this all the time. Like you just share the gospel right then and there with someone who <laughs> you're talking to. I remember there was that story you told us last year with like the car accident that his son was in and he just like, shared the gospel yeah. with this person i thought that was awesome i was like i want an opportunity like that but i'm an introvert i am a people person though but i am definitely like i need time to be quiet mm-hmm. in order to rejuvenate myself but i have also found that if i go into that mode of always retreating i don't i literally don't have energy i and but i'm not an extrovert <laughs> Like I, I get very tired being in social situations, but if I'm not, I think actually to put it another way, I found that if I'm not helping people, I don't have energy. Mm. Like if I'm not in some capacity, like doing something that helps another person, it just, I just don't feel like I'm achieving my, my goals, my, like the, the person that God made me to be. Yeah. And now I could say that I'm an Enneagram too, which is a helper. And yes. seriously, when I found that out, I was like, that totally explains me. So yeah. I find that when I don't, when I'm not in that mode of like helping, I just feel like I'm, I feel low. I feel lonely. I feel sad. I feel depressed, but it's strange in my life. I've actually gone into times where I have isolated myself to the point where I just like believe that I have no friends. Like yeah. I believe I have no worth. Yep. And it's always because I'm isolating myself and I'm not stepping out of my comfort zone. And I've always found that whenever I step out of my comfort zone, God always like teaches me something in that yeah. experience in that moment. So I always just try to remind myself of that. It's taken a lot of work over the years, a lot of work, but yeah. part of being in customer service for so many years, like, over 13 years doing phone calls with people doing life support has really helped me with that so I feel 
I'm, I'm not as scared to do it as I was like when I was a lot younger. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things about getting older and having life experiences. I feel like you just feel more confident. And I think at this point I can say like, God has taught me these so many, so many of these lessons over and over again that I get it. Like, got it. You're teaching me that in another way. And I see it and I, I'm, I hear you and I'm willing to take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, uh, I am also too. I don't know if you knew that. I told Peter that, that I'm an Enneagram too. And so oh, yeah. everything you share is like, yes, yes, I agree. And I felt that. And that's kind of where like the, it isn't so much as like, I'm not with people. It's rather like in the everyday life of being with people. Like I mm-hmm. can't, be with them and um yes needs and, and but helping right and like mm-hmm. living into that like uh space that I, I feel that the, even like the lord has has made me be i'm so glad you said that um yeah <sighs> fellow twos to stand up and i think for on that point like not everybody is a two right yeah. what's important is that you get to know yourself where you can say like this is who god created me and it, to be, and if I'm, I ha, like, then you can know the ways that you, you get energized, right? Yeah. Um, because it's not super helpful to do things that are de-energizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, a lot of us don't realize that, but it does can lead to depression and anger because you're being depleted. Yeah. But yeah. I think uh, for a lot of people, being around other people is a good thing yeah absolutely yeah okay, and i see. just realized i don't have my light on so i hope that that's not that's all right yeah you want no. me to turn the light on because we're, gonna be all we're not professionals it's all right we're just we're just it's, doing this and like stepping in and you know be like dark. dark you can turn the light on if you want and i'll just make the cut okay hold on all right so you have you shared a lot of encouraging things seriously like i'm, I'm so encouraged by just all of it. Um, but if you had like just I don't know why I got like so weird about that. Uh if you just had five <laughs> if you just had five minutes just to to say anything else encouraging and if you've already said it, that's that's cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to to tell epic life a word of encouragement, what would you tell epic life? Well, I think, I think a lot of what I already said was definitely in there for sure. Maybe that last point that I was just making, taking that first step. I think that's really important um, in any relationship. I, we actually, um, me and Peter are signed up for this marriage minute from Gottman, um, Dr. Gottman. He's like the, like, I guess he's, (laughs) I'm going to say this wrong, but he's like the most renowned marriage researcher and he actually is from the pacific northwest but anyways one of his big things is like in a relationship one of the indicators that will um like basically um it will decide whether you are going to stay together with that person or not is this act of turning towards each other so like if your spouse or your partner is talking to you literally like turning towards them and listening to them 
with your eyes, with your posture, with your, with everything that you have, like that's showing them that you are there for them, that you care for them. When you turn away, like if they're talking to you, but you just continue doing whatever you're doing on, on your phone or your dishes, um, you're not giving them that attention. And it's actually kind of like, like just disconnecting that relationship. Right. So couples that actually turn towards each other, like have like almost 90% success rate in their marriage, like that small little thing. And it's small things often, right? It's like, not only in that, but like you turn toward them in like, you know, responding to them in a text message or, or an email or something like that. But it's just these little things. It's just like being kind, right? Like if someone's talking to you, you just give them attention. I think that that I, I think of a lot with my kids, with, with people that are talking to me, just stop, look at them, pay attention to them and have a conversation. Even if it's going to take a couple minutes of your time, it's really, it can make or break a relationship, you know? So I think that that's a really important thing for us all to remember is like, it can be really easy to turn away from someone, whether it's like online or maybe you don't agree with that person's um, ideas or thoughts, politics, whatever, but just turn toward them. Be curious, ask questions. Um, There's nothing wrong with learning from someone else or um, just taking the time to, to be present. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate just getting to sit down with you. And uh, I think I knew you were too. Like, I think we <laughs> talked about it, but it's just, it's so fun to, to have a fellow too. Uh, yeah. and, and just someone who gets it, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but even just to, to chat with you and hear your side of some of the, the similar things that Peter shared and how you got here and everything, but also just to, to hear your heart for... Um, being present, right? Like, and being mm-hmm. hospitable. And that so much of that makes so much sense now that on this side of the conversation. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I just, I'm so thankful for this time and just really appreciate having you here part of the Epic Life Church family. Um, yeah. Just, I hope that, you know, not only you and I, but others can get to know you as well. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Yeah, totally. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Epic Lives of Epic Life. Uh, This episode, we got to sit down with Sam Orr and just hear a little bit about her life, um, how she got to Seattle, um, what the Lord is teaching her, uh, and then just really an encouragement to us to continue to step in, step into this life that that God has given us and to see uh, beauty and and blessing in wholeness. instead of being quick to run to brokenness and darkness. You know, in my conversations with people, uh, I just am continually reminded that we all have a story. um, And in the church, that story is a faith story being written by God. Scripture reminds us that he um, is the author and perfecter of our faith. And I just... I love getting to sit with people and to hear the way that God has written that. Um, And I pray that as we continue to 
engage with one another, we will see that it is God who is writing these stories. It is God who is writing these stories that intertwine together. Um, so have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.